You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? What is up? You are listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Got my guest. He's back on again. And this time he has an exciting, at least for me, it's exciting, but an exciting approach to the NBA Draft. But before we get into that, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of the Locked On Rooms locker room changing the way we talk sports and my guest is max feldman from the front office gurus who is live in chicago illinois what is going on today not too much good to be back on here i appreciate appreciate you having me on again no problem man after the last episode where we did the comparisons it, it did pretty well as far as views and listens and uh, i definitely wanted to have you back on I wanted to do a part two of the comparisons because I thought the episode went so well. But before I got a chance to invite you on for part two, I had a chance to check out your website and you've come up with this new novel approach to rankings and you've divided players from the 2021 class into three different categories. So can you give me or the audience uh, a brief detail of, of the, the categories that you're you're dividing the players in yeah so this was a project i came up with just a few days ago but um the idea behind it and the details and the theory behind it is something that i've circled around for years uh now already so how i've broken it up is there's a swing category a stabilizer a stability uh category and then a hybrid and the hybrids are only 20% of the 50 uh, players that I always do on my big boards, always 50. Um, so I limit the hybrids to 20%, which uh, is 10 guys. And then the swing category basically is um, those high ceiling guys, those high upside guys pe that people always talk about. Um, usually guys at the top of the draft and then throughout the draft. But something that I took into account was um, we always say, oh, this guy is such high upside. This guy is, uh, has, could be an all-star one day. He has a crazy ceiling, but I also um, looked at how it could go the other way. And those guys with the high ceiling also usually have that uh, big downside. So that's where I came up with the swing idea that can go one of two ways. Um, stability is more of guys that can translate rather quickly, can make an instant impact and their floor, um, isn't very low. It's hard to imagine these guys not making an impact in the NBA and being a part of a rotation. And then hybrid, uh, I limited to 20% because every prospect in the field has an argument to be a hybrid. They have a little upside, they have a little uh, strong floor. So I kept that to 10 guys out of the 50. Um, that's the basic breakdown of it. Uh, my full article has all the details to it. And I still add to it almost every day since then. Okay, and they can find this on frontofficegurus.com? Yes, I've also posted on my Twitter. Okay. All right, so let's just get right into Cade Cunningham. 
So he's obviously the projected number one pick. And some people are considering him a franchise player. Some have taken it to another level and have considered him a generational talent. So in your opinion, is he a stability guy? Is he a swing player or is he a hybrid? Yeah, so this is where it gets into a little bit of that nuance with a swing. Um, I mentioned in the article, usually usually I would say the top three prospects in every draft are considered a swing, in my opinion. I believe this is a special draft, as most other people do all. Uh, I think the top five guys on my board are all swing guys. Cade Cunningham sp- specific, all swings come in different shapes and sizes. I don't think that downside is as low as his upside can be in the opposite direction. Um, this is the same thing with the Jalen Suggs specifically. Um, Suggs was very close to being a hybrid guy, but Cunningham, I don't, th- I can't imagine him ever obviously being not a part of a rotation. I think he's going to be an impact player. And I think same with Suggs and Cunningham specifically. I think they have a lot of those traits that can translate really quickly and they can be I high impact guys next year, which is usually a trait of a stability guy. But I think those two guys specifically, they fall into swing because they have high upside, but I can't see their downside being uh, equal on the other end. All right. So you have Cunningham, Mobley, Kaminga, Jalen Green, and Jalen Suggs, which is pretty much the consensus for most people's top five. And you have all five of those guys as swing players. Yeah. So for the players that are hybrids, give me some examples of players that you feel are hybrids. Yeah, so these guys, the specific thing that I was looking for was they can make an impact next year. They can make an impact in their first year. But I don't think they're necessarily going to be guys that you build around. I don't think they have that crazy upside. Um the first three I'll go with are all in my top 10, which just goes to show how much, how valuable that can be. Um, not every team in the top 10, not me personally as an evaluator, I'm not swinging for the fences with top 10 guys. Um, three guys are Moses Moody is in my sixth ranked prospect, Trey Mann, seven, and then Scotty Barnes and nine, I all have as hybrid prospects. All right, so give me an example of why you have Moses Moody, or even Scotty Barnes, those two guys who are actually teammates, if I'm not mistaken. Why are they hybrid prospects to you? This was an, uh, an important decision for me uh, to make Scotty Barnes a hybrid versus a swing, which I think with most people, a lot of people now having him in the top five, it's fair to assume that he would be a swing. But um, that shooting and that touch is obviously a worry to me. I've been a huge predicate of saying that uh, I'm worried about guys who can't who create it I'm worried about guys creating for others if they can't create for themselves first and that along with the touch are things that I'm worried about with Scotty Barnes without a massive development and big progression over the next few years with touch and the other stuff that I mentioned I can't see him reaching that ceiling equivalent to a lot of other guys that I mentioned but at the same time I see him making an instant impact next year with his defense his versatility. Um, With Moses Moody, uh, I've seen a lot of discussions about what does an all-star level high ceiling Moses Moody look like? And a lot of people just don't know. And I think I agree with that. We've discussed personally in the past a Chris Middleton type, and I think it makes sense, but it's hard to really see him being an all-star one day. I think he's going to be in the league for a long time. 
And I think he makes an instant impact next year in a rotation, but I can't necessarily see that all-star Moses Moody. I can see a little bit more of that Scotty Barnes, but personally, I'm not on that side. Man, this is good stuff. I have a lot more questions. I want to get into the players that you have categorized as stability prospects. But before we get into that, I want to talk about this new podcast called Death at the Wing. Death at the Wing is written by Adam McKay. Adam McKay is the writer and director of The Big Short and Vice and Anchorman. And this podcast is about 1980s basketball. It is the era that I fell in love with basketball, which probably a lot of the guys that are listening to my podcast weren't even born in the 80s or maybe born in the 90s, even the 2000s. But in the 80s, you had guys like Magic Johnson and Dr. J. They became household names, and they were bringing this faster and flashier style of play that captivated NBA audiences. But along the way to their wealth and stardom, there was just a bunch of stuff that was going on in the 80s that took its toll on this generation of players. Never in the history of any sport have we seen so many guys that were ready to become stars face so many, like, tragedies or just so many ups and downs in their life in such a short period of time in this episode or, or this podcast I should say McKay is joined by a bunch of sports journalists and experts who lived through this moment and they just explored everything that went on in that generation as far as the social and political forces that were at play I would love each and every one of my audience and listeners to check out this podcast if you like the last dance or 30 for 30 I think you're going to love death at the wing you can search for Death at the Wing wherever you get your podcasts and start listening. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, what is causing fans to act like idiots at sporting events? Now, this is actually kind of funny to me because I posted a tweet of an experience at a game. It was game five of the Greek finals 2017. It's an older video, but it went viral. And while I'm recording this, it was at like 80,000 views and climbing it's been getting like a thousand views every 10 minutes. So uh, I have my own opinion. I'm a fan of the rowdy European crowd, which is nothing compared to what is going on in the States. If you have a chance, look on my Twitter and I'm not necessarily promoting my Twitter here, but my Twitter Barlow 500, I posted a video and I actually pinned it of a game where you see nothing but flares and fire and all that going on in the crowd behind of the backdrop of guys playing basketball, which is nothing compared to one fan in Boston throwing a water bottle and getting charged with assault for a deadly weapon. But anyway, if you listen to the Locked On Today podcast, there's a whole podcast about what's causing fans to act like idiots at sporting events. You can get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, once again, this is Raphael with Locked On NBA Draft from NBA Draft Junkies, and there's my guest, Max Feldman from the Front Office Gurus. You can check him out at frontofficegurus.com. I think this guy is a really big up-and-comer in this whole draft scene. I mean, he puts in the work and has his own unique perspective. It's not just a mock draft or a, a big board, but he's coming with his own big board based off of implementations of I mean he just has his own way of, of doing it which is a lot different and unique and I can't wait to collaborate with him more in the future because I think this guy has a really bright future we've touched on a few of the swing prospects and we've covered a few of the hybrid prospects 
All right, but now I want to get into a few of the guys that you consider stability prospects. And number one, as far as prospects that fall into this category, is Franz Wagner. Why do you see him more so as a stable prospect as opposed to a swing or a hybrid? So the biggest key that I found out after writing all of this and putting together all my work is that none of these categories necessarily bring about a negative connotation. And a big uh, argument I've seen on Franz Wagner, and I'm not, I love Franz Wagner. I'm higher on him than just about anyone that I've seen. But I also don't think that he's going to be an all-star. I don't think he's going to be a franchise cornerstone. I'm not in that boat. But I do believe that if we look at this draft in five or ten years, I think Franz Wagner returns a ton of value at the eighth spot. And I don't think there's going to be people who see a board and you see Franz Wagner at eight, you're going to be like, that was stupid. I don't think uh, he's going to fall into that boat. I can't see that happening. I see him having a 10 to 15 year career in the NBA. I see him making an instant impact. And uh, in this whole draft picture, I just see him returning value that high in the draft. And I think there's uh, a lot to say about uh, a guy with a strong floor. And I mentioned in my article, there's about four to five teams uh, legitimately fully rebuilding. I would say being, gen being, uh, being loose with that. And I think uh, in that range, people need a guy like Franz Wagner, and I think he can be a key piece of winning right away. So are you saying that if you were a team that's rebuilding, you would settle for a stability prospect as opposed to swing for the fences prospect? So I mentioned it at the end of the article, and I put uh, each category, let's say swing, stability, and hybrid. I, I uh, wrote up like what – uh, condition of franchise would be in to select that type of prospect. So in a rebuilding franchise, I mentioned, I wouldn't take a stability guy unless you have plenty of young players already in the fold. So my example is like an Orlando magic where you have Mo Bamba, you have Cole Anthony, you have RJ Hanson, Jonathan Isaac, all these prospects that you took that were already raw. And then I would consider taking a more stable or hybrid guy just because brings a little bit more experience and you can keep that rebuilding going rather than starting over with another raw prospect. But usually in a rebuild outside the Orlando Magic who are very young, I would take a bigger swing just because you're trying to rebuild. You're trying to find a prospect that can lead you like these teams that we see in the playoffs right now that were terrible three years ago. I love how you break it down and you have a good explanation and the why behind what you do. Obviously this takes a lot of time and a lot of thought behind it. And, and then like you just do a good job of explaining why you feel the way you feel. I wanna just bring out a couple names for you. And, and based off of your big board, you're higher on Trey Mann than most. So you have him at number seven and then you have Trey Mann higher than Josh Giddy. And you have Josh Giddy as a swing prospect so can you give me um your thought process behind that so Trey Mann specifically I put out a tweet today and I've tweeted about him so much just because he's been a guy that I loved out of high school and his freshman year was tough with Andrew Nembard it was just a weird fit um this year he grew uh physically and I've just been super intrigued by his film I've watched a ton of him lately um Two things that stand out with him is why he's seven is because 
another thing, another trend that we've seen in the playoffs is how difficult it is to find guys who can create in the half court. And Trey Mann was obviously incredible at it, but the numbers prove it even more so. He shot 46.5% on floaters, which is extremely high. Um, I saw something on ESPN the other day when I was watching a game, just talking about how the top six guys in the league who lead the league in floaters are all either first, second, or third year guys. It's the ESPN put out a full article about how it's the shot of the future now. Um, all of these lead guards like Trey Young, uh, Luca, Ja, and then Emmanuel Quickly, Darius Garland, Lamella Ball, even to an extent. These guys rely on their floater. Um, Trey Mann's a guy that I fall, I think falls into that category in the future. He's done a great job off of it. Um, he also scored the sixth most points in the NCAA off the dribble, yeah. which is just another uh, piece of proof of how he can create in the half court and how important I think that's going to be. Um, Josh Giddy, on the other hand, I've had him in the six to 10 range. I think he's a little bit more of a swing just because a guy who I see falling in the same category and has a lot of the same tools as LaMelo Ball, but he's not at that level. And I think that's pretty clear for most people to see that. I think he has a lot of those tools, but I don't think his ceiling's quite as high. Um, I still can't see myself dropping very much lower on Josh Giddy, but um, I've definitely grown on Trey Mann specifically a ton over the last month or so. Yeah, Trey Mann is in a category by himself, at least in my opinion, as far as being a creator off the dribble slash three-point shooter. Maybe I can say you can put Cade in that category, but it's like, to me, it's a new skill set that there should be like a higher emphasis on. It is guys that can shoot threes, but create their own threes. You know, there's a lot of guys that, you know, for example, Corey Kispert, he's going to always be considered a really good shooter, but a lot of his shots are going to be assisted. Trey Mann, along with guys like Trey Young or Luka Doncic, it's just this new wave of guys that can shoot threes at a pretty high percentage that do not need an assist. I mean, they can kind of lull you to sleep and shoot off the dribble, which if anyone has done skills training or tried it for themselves, shooting threes off the dribble to me is one of the toughest shots to master because they're always contested for the most part. And you have to be able to shoot with range like a Dame Lillard. He's shooting threes off the dribble from deep because you have to respect his first step and how he gets to the basket. And so Trey Mann is like this new wave of, of prospects that I think he's really ahead of his age in a sense, because I feel like a lot of the guys that are pretty good three-point shooters off the dribble kind of develop that in the NBA while he has it coming into the NBA. So, Yeah, another thing that I mentioned, I didn't exactly connect the dots when I mentioned it, but people assume and people talk about how he's not a great shooter for a lot of reasons, and they kind of shrug him off as a shooter, but he shot 40% from three, 83% from the free throw line. And that shooting ability, his ability to stretch the floor, combined with his floater efficiency and how much he goes to that shot, I think he's just going to be so difficult to stop. If you put him next to a guy who can play make uh, very early on, I think he's going to be a guy that returns value in the top 10. Yep. I, I see. I see that also. I mean, I haven't had him as a top 10 pick, but you've definitely kind of 
sold me and make me reconsider where I have him. Because right now, I think in my last mock, I had him going around number 20. And I think I had him going to the Hawks because I thought that would be a pretty yeah, dynamic backcourt. Not saying he would start over Bogdanovich, but I, I feel like if you play him and Trey Young together, that puts a lot of pressure on the defense because they have some similarities. I mean, Trey Young is obviously Trey Young in a 25-point-per-game score and uh, a, a much better passer. But think of the pressure you put on defenses if you have two guys that can shoot from three, create their own threes, and then also they've mastered the the in-between game and, and the floater. So I I really like that pick there. But in a moment, I'll pick Max's brain on a few other prospects. But right now I want to talk to you about Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info and your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and even UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop, your mobile device, and check out all the great sporting news. You can sign up for bonuses and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines as this is your chance to get into the game. As teams prepare for their playoff runs or their second round playoff runs, at least in the NBA, we'll see by the time this podcast airs, we may have a few teams that will be preparing for the second round and there'll be some teams that are going home. But anyway, head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts, promo code locked on. All right. If you have been listening to the locked on today podcast i'm sure you've heard about built bar if you haven't i want to tell you about builtbar.com it is the best tasting protein bars out on the market every single protein bar is 100 percent chocolate on all bars it's this amazing low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber and it's i mean it just has an amazing taste and again 100 percent chocolate on all bars they have quite a few flavors. Toffee Almond is back for a limited time. It's a flavor that I've tried a few times. I really enjoy it. It's not in my top five. I mean, my top five is definitely peanut butter, brownie, cookies and cream, double chocolate, and coconut almond. But there's other flavors like mint brownie, salted caramel, coconut, cherry barcia. And they even have one that tastes like a birthday cake that is 100% white chocolate again if you like protein bars and you want a good tasting protein bar that tastes like a candy bar you can go to builtbar.com or at bar underscore built on twitter remember to use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your next order that is locked 15 to get 15 percent off your next order at builtbar.com get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the locked on NBA draft podcast. We have scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, full draft coverage, and even interviews with excellent guests like Max Feldman from front office gurus. We have credential draft experts that give you their opinion. And again, I feel like we have a pretty good team here on the locked on NBA draft team follow locked on NBA draft on the odyssey app again follow the locked on nba draft podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast all right again i'm back with max feldman from front office gurus and in this last segment i want to just shoot off a bunch of names 
And I, I wanted you to tell me why you have them in this particular category. So the first one is Sharif Cooper, probably one of the most intriguing prospects in this draft. You have him as a swing prospect. So in your opinion, why is he a swing as opposed to a, a hybrid or a stability prospect? Sharif Cooper is another guy that uh, I've grown a lot on recently for a lot of the same reasons as Trey Mann. They're far different players, but Sharif Cooper's ability to create for himself as well as his teammates is a big reason why he's in the swing category first off, just because I believe that upside is as high as any guy outside the top five and probably as high as a few of those guys in the top five. Um, I think he's a special prospect. His ability to create for his teammates, um, that floater game is another thing. And I do believe in the shot a lot more than a lot of other folks do. Um, I think it was a tough year, obviously. It was a weird year at Auburn for him. Um, I just think that upside is a key reason why he's a swing guy, and that upside is a key reason why he's risen to 12 on my board in June. To me, that's a no-brainer as a swing prospects. I'm guessing that was probably one of the easiest ones to categorize. But I'm going to name some guys that you have as hybrids. All right. Alperin Shingun, who's a hot name right now. And for whatever reasons, maybe it's because he's an international player from Turkey. His video is doing numbers on my YouTube channel. The last I checked, it was like 25,000 views. It's the most viewed video uh, breakdown I've done this year. And in your opinion, why is he a hybrid prospect as opposed to a swing or stability? Yeah, so him along with Josh Giddy were two guys that I mentioned a few months ago that I projected were going to boom up boards after the college basketball season ended. I think, as you said, with uh, your video on him and the views, I think people just see his name up. I want to know more now. And I think he's been rising for a lot of people. I was lower on him and uh, I've risen a little bit just because his shooting. And I think if he can stretch the floor, it adds a new dynamic to him. And I think it brings him up another tier or two for me. I believe he's a hybrid guy because I think he makes an instant impact on the rebounds. Um, his feel for the game, offensively setting screens, um, finishing around the rim, great footwork. He's very polished. He's a solid athlete. Um, he's physically mature. I think he makes an impact next year, but I, I think his playmaking, his defense to a degree, and his shot is the most obvious one. I think he has a little bit of a sneaky upside, so that's what made him a hybrid versus a stability guy. Yeah, especially his passing to me. I think he's a really sneaky, good passer. He's had a couple flashes where you're like, dang, this guy could could be a hub in the post that can make plays for others. So I, I agree with that. All right, since we're, we just finished international play, let's go to another international prayer, player, Usman Garuba. You have him listed as a hybrid. I've actually dropped on him a little bit. He was uh, in like 10 to 20 range. He's at 26 now. Um, I'm definitely a little bit nervous about his touch. Um, and playmaking has shown flashes to it. I've seen a lot and I've heard a lot that I don't know if he's will be uh, as equivalent of an athlete at the NBA level as he pops off the screen is with Real Madrid right now. Um, at the same time, I do think he produces right away defensively. I can't see that ceiling being as high as a lot of those other swing guys. I don't 
necessarily see him being an all-star down the line, but I think he's going to be super valuable and I think he's going to return strong value rather quickly. I just am a little bit down on that uh, upside. Okay. All right. James Bookmack. This is one I, I'm, I'm really curious to hear your answer. What makes him a hybrid as opposed to a swing? I think a lot of people would have him in the swing category. Yep. Um, there are a few things that worry, uh, worry me about him. One being his decision-making, two being his defense to a degree, and then thirdly, obviously, playmaking. His numbers are very low. Yeah, I think he has a negative assist-to-turnover ratio, right? Yeah, he does. There, that, at the same time, I do think he makes an instant impact just because of his scoring, his ability to run off screens. Um, playing next to playmakers, I think he's going to make – an impact pretty early on. He's crazy, crazy athlete outside of Jalen Green. I'd say he's as good as an athlete as anyone. Um, I can see that all-star side to a degree, but as we've talked about many times, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be your cornerstone player on a championship level team. Um, in terms of defense and the playmaking, I can't necessarily see that, but at the same time, I can see him filling it up for a team quickly. Uh, I'm just a little bit down on that upside. All right, so here's I, – I love this so much, and I can probably go on for days, especially when you give me a, a canvas like this to, to paint different pictures and scenarios. So you have James Booknight at number 18 as a hybrid. You have Josh Christopher at number 20 as a swing. What is the difference in those two, and why are they broken up into two different categories? Josh Christopher has been one – been looking forward to talk to um talking talk about um that him and book night is an interesting conversation the one key thing i would say is defense um josh christopher is younger and he's already at least 20 pounds heavier than james book night defensively i think it's a different animal i think josh christopher is a completely different motor i think that swings way higher offensively and defensively to a degree um, I tweeted about this also two days ago because I knew it would come up as Josh Christopher rise, uh, rose a lot for me, is that Christopher was playing next to two guys who had over 27% usage, mm -hmm. and they were also one of the worst, I want to say, I could pull up the tweet, but they were very poor in terms of two-point percentage, I want to say. They were very perimeter-oriented. The spacing was just very strange with that team and he obviously had a lot of different stuff going on it was a weird fit at arizona state and he's a strong athlete that motor's crazy uh i think he's a hard worker and i just like his ceiling a lot more than james book Knight on both ends of the floor he's a guy that i could see myself continuing to rise on and i think we see this every year with a lot of those young guys and there's a lot of guys that fall into the category this year specifically but he was just in a really weird situation last year. And I think we're going to see a lot different uh, sides of Josh Christopher next year and far beyond. All right. So you have book night at 18 on your board, Christopher 20, but it sounds like if you had to choose between the two, if you're a general manager, you would go with Christopher. I think it depends on fit. And that's where I, I love the idea of the stability swing and hybrid is because it brings in that, a uh, little bit of insight in terms of NBA fit and how execs would make that decision. But depending on who I have around him, I would 
if I'm swinging for the fences, I would definitely go with Christopher. If I have nice playmakers around him and I have some defensive, strong defensive wings, I would go with Book Knight. All right, a couple more guys that uh, I want to hear your your reasoning behind the category that you put them in. So you have Davion Mitchell at number 24, and I've seen him on a lot of boards. And, I mean, he's pretty divisive. I've seen him as a top 10 pick. I've seen him in the low 20s. You have him at 24 as a, as a, a guy that falls into the stability category. And then you have Jaden Springer at number 28, and I've also seen him in, in the teens. I don't think I've seen him this low, and you have him as a hybrid. So I want to get your thought process be, behind those two players. Davion Mitchell, first off, um, he's almost 23 years old, and I, he might be 23 by the time he gets drafted. And I've seen also, I've seen him in the top 10. I think ESPN still has him there. Bleach Report still has him there. I just can't see that upside. Um, he's a stability guy for the specific reason that I think he fills a void next year. I think he's an impact player next year. And I could see him, obviously, he will likely go higher than 24 just because there are playoff teams in the 10 to 20 range that would love to have his defense, would love to have his pull-up shooting. There's a lot to like about Davion Mitchell. I just put him in the stability category because I don't think he's going to be that guy that, like, is going to be like, whoa, that guy was a steal 10 years from now. Um, in terms of Jaden Springer, this has been a guy that I've been lower on since IMG. Um, there's something about him. His defense is great. And I was doing some research the other day. He's a guy that falls strictly into that category that I just don't necessarily, I'm not extremely confident that he can create for himself. His isolation numbers were really poor at Tennessee and yeah. I think he was better than a lot of people think he was going to be at Tennessee. His numbers were good. His shooting was good. His defense was great. And his, I do believe a lot in his defense. In terms of his offense, I don't necessarily buy the all-star upside. I've seen people who have him at number six overall. I don't necessarily see that just because I'm not confident that he can create for himself and be uh, a lead guy. But I think he has that hybrid into in him because he is one of the younger players in the field. And I do think he can uh, produce rather quickly with his defense and his shot to a degree. So that's why he falls there, just because that upside, I'm a little bit lower on, similar to Book Knight. All right, last two questions. Cam Thomas is a hybrid, and Trey Murphy is also a hybrid. So first question out of the, the two is that, what makes you have Trey Murphy as a hybrid as opposed to being a stability prospect? I definitely uh, thought about that one, and that came up as well. He transferred, and he obviously only had one year at the high major level, but he's 20 years old. He's still relatively young. Um, his frame, he's 6'9", barely over 200 pounds. He's like 205, I believe. So I think he has a lot of room to grow, and he's a guy that I've grown a lot on, and I believe I will continue to grow on just because that shooting is – it's rare at 6'9". Um, physically, he's – got a great build and I could see him being a really strong fit at the next level um hybrid because of his age um I think he produces rather quickly defensively and shooting for a Cam Thomas it, it's hard because he's such a, a talented scorer um he's extremely gifted finding his own shot and 
Uh, he can just, definitely find his own shot. Yeah. <laughs> can he, he find his teammates? Is the he question. Has no problem getting it up either. I think, as you just mentioned, um, the playmaking, he had a lot of tunnel vision at LSU, um, which was fair. And you could probably say that uh, you could see it coming out of Oak Hill. But the defense, the playmaking, um, his fit at the next level somewhat limits my belief on his upside, whereas a lot of other people have him a top 15 guy. I see him being a really high impact role player, and I think he's going to be extremely good at what he's good at. He's going to do what he's good at, and he's going to put the ball in the bucket. He's going to light it up from the perimeter, but defensively, he had some really bad looks. Um, he had some really bad film at some times, and the assist numbers, the passing, uh, those numbers don't lie either. Man, this is great stuff, man. Great stuff. Again, where can they find your website and if they want to take a deeper dive because for a person like me that loves the NBA draft, I could end up on the site and, and, and just spend hours just reading all your, your content, because again, and I've said it over and over again, you definitely bring a different perspective. So where can they find you at? I appreciate that. I can be found at frontofficegurus.com And then I'm doing a lot of daily content posting uh, every day, multiple times a day on Twitter at, at Max Feldman six. All right. All right, man. This is Raphael with NBA draft junkies. Got my guest, Max Feldman. I think he's going to be a frequent contributor to this podcast. Again, I love his work. And this is uh this episode has been good. I mean, he, he's broke down three different categories for prospects, something that I haven't seen before. So again, I, I thank Max for coming on. I thank him for, for just bringing a, a different perspective or different thought process to the NBA draft. Once again, it's Raphael, NBA Draft Junkies, Locked on NBA Draft. We are out.